0: It's Hannah Nieves of the Thrive Society podcast, and today I have the privilege of interviewing Tirza Cave. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so excited, and you just got married. By the way, guys, if you haven't seen her wedding photos, they are to (laughs) die for, to die for. Okay, so walk us through. I know your story, but tell the audience a little bit about you, your background, the types of people you get to work with.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So it's a crazy journey, and I'll just speed through it because there's so much. But starting out with, you don't have to be 110% ready uh, to launch and, and start your own business. Um, I know it's mm-hmm. really scary to start a business, but if you're passionate about something and you have the desire to learn and serve, then you're uniquely called to do what you're doing. So for me, the journey started out with actually being a hairstylist back mm-hmm. in 2012. It's what I did after high school. And really quickly, um, figured out that I liked the business and marketing side of selling the products and like marketing yourself more than actually doing hair. So I ended up going to university for a year for st- strategic communications, um, mm-hmm. wanting to be in the social media marketing world. And during that time was working for Plato's Closet, just as like a shift leader, you know, uh, likes the clothes and the discounts and um, was promoted to being a manager. And so I took on that position and that's kind of where I got to dabble more into business and sales and marketing and and structuring the team and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. that's when I decided, okay, is college for me? Or can I just go into the market and learn from experience? So Mm -hmm. from there, I went on to be a development director for a small nonprofit and, um, you know, it's fundraising. So it was a kind of a switch of pace and different, um, different experience, but I started doing email marketing and started doing local initiatives with donors things like that. And then from there went to a larger nonprofit, a a charter school in DFW. So I was the marketing director for the entire district, working with seven principals and their campuses to get the enrollments up. Um, It was actually struggling at the time. And so was working with an entire department with advertising, pay-per-click advertising with Google and Facebook and radio and TV and all the different things to get enrollment up and what's really cool is over the 6 months of implementing those strategies we were able to bring in over a million um and it really helped them out. So that's when I really decided like I like digital marketing, not just mm-hmm. local and flyers and radio and stuff like that, but like I really wanted to see where could I go if I had specialized and niche down to just Facebook and Instagram and and ads and things like that. So went on to become a manager at an elite marketing agency getting to manage five client accounts, 30,000 monthly ad spend. And we were specifically doing funnel strategy and driving traffic to lead gen and sales funnels mm-hmm. with some big clients there. So it was amazing. I mean, name drop Marie Forlio, Amy Porterfield. Those were some of the clients we had. And so I got to really see firsthand what it was like to build an online business. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, OK, after all these now at that point, I think it was seven years into marketing and mm-hmm. getting to specialize in that, decided to start my own boutique marketing agency. So I got to work with my own clients and get them some awesome wins. And then just this year, um, pivoted into coaching.
0: So incredible. And you are such a powerhouse. And I mean, those are, those are big names, you know, working on the backside of that as well. So, so incredible. So in terms of launching, you know, that's something that I hear, I see you talk about, you are the queen of launching. You just had an incredible launch. And I, you know, a lot of people, especially when they're first starting their business, it's kind of a little bit intimidating of like, how do I go through this process? How do I strategically plan out a launch? And you talk a lot about like email list building Mm -hmm. here, right? Yeah. So we'll kind of start with that and move into launch because again, you have to have a solid email list. So when Mm -hmm. it comes to, you know, email list building, what are some of the recommendations that you have on how to grow your email list? Um, and specifically like leading up to a launch.
1: Yeah. Uh, first off, I love this question and how it's framed because right off the bat, you're bringing attention to that list building pre-launch. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's, It is that we are doing this pre-launch. We're not doing this during lunch or after lunch. It's very, Mm -hmm. we're pre-working up and getting our database growth before we launch an offer. And so that's super on point, but growing your email list before um, any kind of sale or offer is really important for a ton of reasons, but I'll just focus mainly on some of my favorite ways to start the progress or the process and to actually get strangers to sign up for your Mm -hmm. inbox party. I mean, that's what it is. We're having an inbox party and we're inviting strangers to join our party. So first we design a lead magnet and there's different terms for this a lead magnet and opt-in a freebie, but we design this freebie with our avatar and our offer in mind. So, so often I see entrepreneurs kind of missing this where they create lead magnets just cause maybe so-and-so is doing it, or mm-hmm. they create a lead magnet that doesn't effortlessly lead someone into their offer. It could be distracting or different, right? So, The goal of a good high converting freebie to get people on your email list is that it serves your audience and, and truly actually serves them. I think sometimes there's an opinion out here where it's like, let's not give too much. Let's only uh, Mm -hmm. a sliver, but I'm with Gary V who preaches, give all your best stuff away for free. And so serves them. Um, it also establishes you as an expert. If you think of like the endowment effect where there's the ownership or the perceived ownership, um, and value goes up when you own something. And so when you think about that, when you give them the ownership of a freebie and you give them their own insight and their own quick wins, the value is going up for the freebie, but then also in working with you right now, they look Mm -hmm. at you as, as the person that helped them get these wins. And now they see you as more valuable. So. And then also leaves them with a new problem, right? (laughs) Um, Our freebie should present them and open up their mind to saying, okay, I got the wins for what the reason I grabbed this, but now I have some other new problems that maybe are arising that then lead into your offers being the solution. So, so good. Um, Yeah. And then, I mean, when it comes to formats, it's really what sets your soul on fire. What do you want to do? But then also what is your community wanting to digest, right? If they don't like video, if they don't like PDFs, then don't do that. But there's videos, many courses, workshops, templates, you name it. Um, you get to pick which one you want. But mm-hmm. then when it comes to, I guess the next step would be then driving traffic, right? And getting those conversions and getting that stranger to raise their hand. So some of my favorite ways that have worked for me Um, but then also my clients are of course, pay-per-click advertising. Um, with that, you're just pouring gasoline on, I call it the biz coals where Mm -hmm. you're literally just speeding up the process of getting people into your database. A lot of times I've had to convince women in this space, like why pay for advertising, right? It's kind of scary to drop funds without it um, being proven to you yet. But kind of how I say it is, um, if you want to speed up the process, right. Time is money. So in me paying to get more people into my email list, I'm speeding up that time and getting quicker results. Uh, and we do that. We hire coaches, we hire a team to scale. And um, mm-hmm. it's the same with pay-per-click advertising. And some other ways are our Facebook group promotion. These are lead pools where you can hang out and you can pitch your freebies and get women into your email inbox party. And then I would say talking about, talking about it in video format. This is when we don't always talk about, but it's like, yeah, if I'm not showing up, if I'm not showing up and talking about it, then how can I expect my community and incoming traffic to even know it exists or why they should grab it? So you do that pay-per-click advertising, hang out in Facebook groups, um, but talk about it as well in your content, and in your video format.
0: So, so good. And you mentioned about like talking about it on video, which is so, so key because even myself, right? Like I have a quiz on how to get featured in the media, but if I don't talk about it, no one's going to oh, yeah. know it's there. So exactly such a good tip too, because, and that's something I would imagine, you know, you can just add that to your content calendar. Maybe you talk about it like once a week or once every two yeah. weeks. So I love that tip there. Now, when looking to launch a new product or a service, walk us through through some of those pre-launch strategies that you implement again, because we want to get our audience really, really warm and ready. And we also want to um, be able to provide a service or product that aligns with them. So are there any pre-launch strategies that have
1: worked for you that you recommend or anything innovative that you want to share? Yeah. Yeah. Some of my favorite warm-up strategies um first would be content. Um that is heavy on education. So it's not just um, throwing out content just because it is specifically curated content that's going to educate. And the goal of pre-launching is that no less than six weeks out from launching your offer or your special is that you're trying to communicate the value of your offer in advance, right? You're opening up their minds to the problems that they have, and then that, and that there's a solution and you're kind of like planting a seed in advance that that solution is going to be drum roll your offer. Right. But before you ever talk about your offer, or what it's like to be working with you, you're educating them and opening their mind to, I have a problem. Is there a solution? And then six weeks later, you have the solution. Another way that I like, um, to warm up is a seeming omnipresent and your content. So showing up in multiple places. And now yeah. this is a little hard to do yourself, but you can repurpose your content, bash your content or hire out that team for your launch. But showing up in email, in different types of video format on Instagram, Facebook groups, lives with others, right? Podcast interviews, whatever way that you can seem omnipresent to your community, it helps you stay top of mind, right? And I kind of see it as like the sales guy that's like knocking on the door and then coming back a day later, knock on it again and then knock on it again. You're doing that across multi-platforms where you're saying Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm here. And you might not be talking about your offer, maybe just on one platform, but they're seeing you and being reminded.
0: Um, And this is
1: especially important because in sales, it can take up to 20 touch points for a person to actually buy and take action. And so in me showing up on everywhere and and speeding up those touch points that are needed. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And then I think one of the other important warm-up strategies is nurturing. We always get focused on new, new and new growth and new clients and new leads. It's not always about the new it's what about the audience that you have right now? Right. Typically we fall in like one or two votes. We either believe it, that people are more interested in buying from us than there actually is, or we're the other where we believe that there's less. And I vote and stand that typically we're in the boat too. We believe there's less that buy from us. But the thing is that community that you have right now, whether it's a Facebook group or it is your email list or you're following on Instagram, there's a good percentage of those people that will buy from you. But they might need some relationship building, some nurturing before you hit, hey, XYZ cart is open. So -hmm. instead of focusing all the effort on lead gen, make sure that you're creating that time and space and finances to be checking in and warming up the people that you already have via conversations um, and the DM, maybe engaging with their content, asking them what they want via market research and things like that. So, so good. And it's so,
0: so true. Like you really have to build up that trust with your audience before you go and actually sell to them. So, so good. So I kind of want to shift gears a little bit here and talk about the mindset. Now, we can talk strategy all day long, which is so, so good. But a lot, and you mentioned this before, a lot of the times that I even hear this from my clients where there is a fear of the launch failing. Like Mm -hmm. what if no one buys, what if I get crickets and what do I do? So can you shed some light on this? I guess, what do you recommend or what do you do personally when it comes to like preparing that mindset before you go and
1: launch or open cart, you know, a product? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like raising my hand right now for having launched PTSD. We've all, like, Mm -hmm. if you've ever (laughs) launched something, you might've experienced that. And that's a real true thing. Calling it out, right? Launching can be intimidating. I mean, you're putting yourself and your offer out into the world in hopes that this stranger will say yes and spend their hard-earned money on you, right? And so, mm-hmm. I've learned lessons and strategies the hard way, aka me flopping with launches, but then also what I've seen work when it comes to my now five-figure launches in the last trimester. So, I'd say some of the best ways to kind of prepare your mindset and prepare yourself for a successful launch would be um, market research, right? And I just talked about that, but it's less likely that your offer and launch will flop if you've directly gotten the answer from the source, right? If you've Mm -hmm. asked your audience, what do you want? And you use that information to create and plan your launch, right? And this step is how we can get high converting anything, right? We get the answer directly from the market's mouth. So that I'd say is number one. And then also um, do what scares you right? Oftentimes fear comes from us imagining the worst case scenario, right? No matter how Mm -hmm. far-fetched it may be, we, we imagine the worst, right? I won't be able to pay my bills and blah, 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 blah. Exposure therapy, it comes into play where we're facing our, when we're facing our fear, it helps us realize that we are in more control of the situation than we think. Mm -hmm. Right. And so So do what scares you, expose yourself to that. And it's going to get easier and easier to realize that you have control over the outcome more than you think. I would say accepting rejection in advance, right? We're talking about mindset. Sometimes it's not always positive. This is like mm-hmm. the hard truth where starting a new business and launching um, a new offer requires hearing a lot of no's, alright You're going to just have to accept it. We're going to get no's no matter what you do, what you sell. Um, it's not What you have is not going to be for 100% of everyone, right? right? It's not going to be for, for the masses. It's not even going to be for the many, but more likely the, the few, right. And so many successful business owners only sell to a few people. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. And so when you think of like rejection in advance, um, Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team. Right. But he didn't give up. Right. He took that rejection as a learning opportunity and kept going. And now we know him today. Right. And then you have billionaire investor, Warren Buffett, he was rejected from Harvard. So they got used to hearing the no and didn't measure their success by how many times they heard the no they measured it by what they did for people who said yes right and that's the thing mm-hmm. is i'm not here for everybody i'm here for the people that say yes to me to uniquely serve them uh, and that's why you keep going and that's why you launch to serve those those people and then i would say the last thing is just um, a support system so whether that is a coach your friends your team that you've hired surrounding yourself with positive people because launching can be wearing and it can be a mind game, mid launch slump. That is one of the worst, right? You need those people to pick you up and to keep on pushing you so that you don't throw in the towel early. Maybe that's early and that you never do it or midway, you just give up. You need that support system to help you shift out of the negative mindset so that you can, so you can serve your audience.
0: Those tips were so, so good. I mean, you mentioned before about kind of selling to your unique people. And I always kind of go back to that point, that statistic of like, you're selling 80% of your business yeah. comes from 20%. And that is, that's huge, right? And so when you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. And even yeah. just resonating off the nose, I remember even for myself, when I first started this business and I, I remember I, I came from, like I came from corporate, you know, and I came from yeah. doing marketing yeah. strategies from a corporate level, but for my own business, I remember I had one of the first like flops ever and yeah. it was hilarious. I laugh at it now. I laugh yeah, at it yeah. now. <laughs> and at the time we we're just like rolling with it and you're like, all right, it's okay. I had two people show up for this webinar and it's all good. Yep, yep. Um, mm-hmm. But it's totally true on that. Like every single challenge, every single experience just helps better you for the next, you know, launch that Absolutely. you do.
1: Know. So oh, yeah,
0: That is so, so good. And even to like having a support system, I remember even for myself, you know, having those six figure launches have been, I would have never been able to do it without having like a mentor there. And I mean, you probably can resonate with that too. Yep.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Those you know mess those boxer messages at ten o'clock at night. I don't know if I could do this. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh! Yeah, this is so so good. Okay, so we talked about email. Talked about kind of like the pre-launch here. Talked about the the offer, and we're launching the offer. And I'm just curious to hear from you. You know, after you actually launch, uh, we can kind of kind of move into the space a little bit. But um, is there anything else that you like to do to kind of like prepare? You know, for the next launch of a product? Like, do you turn like waitlist, like you, um, create a waitlist for the next offer, or I guess, give us some tips on that too
1: yeah so this particular launch I just came out of, I did use the waitlist strategy. It was the first mm. time, and I honestly didn't even invest in education to truly understand all the in and outs of a waitlist strategy. I just ran with it, so yep. I but thankfully, it did work okay for me this round. I was able to get me one client and a lot of sales calls, which gave me more experience, so good. um but yeah, I did like an incentive for people to get on the waitlist. I did a giveaway, gave them free value in the back end of my email and things like that. I'd say like In between the launch season, first off one, celebrate your past launch success. Don't just dive right into the next thing. I'm an Anagram three and I'm always like on sprint mode, Mm -hmm. but like you have to take that moment to like breathe and celebrate what you just did, whether it was a good, better or best goal reached. You need to celebrate that moment rest right before you go into the next thing. Mm -hmm. But then I would say going back to the market research, going back to your content planning Because sometimes it can get really fuzzy where like we're just running, 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 and we miss that huge strategy and planning piece that made our first launch or or a second launch successful, right? So no matter how many launches you're going through, have that season to go back to the drawing board, mapping out what your offer is, who it's there for, what are the problems they're facing, the goals that they have, and using that information and market research to craft your content. So you can have that awesome pre warm up phase again and then sell out your launch.
0: So, so good. Kind of like taking that time to recalibrate yourself. That's, I wholeheartedly believe that. And even for myself, like any client that works with me after they go through a launch, I'm like, all right, how are we celebrating? How are you celebrating this? Are you taking time off? Um, How are you doing something for you? So I love that so, so much. I love this topic. I feel like we could talk about this forever, right? It's, It's a hot topic. I want to transition transition into one of my favorite parts of every single episode of the Thrive Society podcast, which is why I started this to begin with. If people, you know, head back to episode zero, you will know what I'm talking about. But I feel like a lot of the times we don't talk about you know, quite frankly, the hard shit that people have to go through to build a business, and um, I even shared—I think it was like a meet, uh, one of those graphics the other day of talking about like what entrepreneurship is and what people <laughs> really think it is and what it actually is. And it's oh, yeah. so much work. So I'm just curious to hear from you. Like, was there any challenge or any type of struggle that you experienced, whether it's personally or professionally, that really just helped to change the trajectory of your life and your business? Is there any story
1: that comes to mind? Um, yes. The one that is really coming to mind is it was actually this year. So, um, I started my business, um, the boutique marketing agency in November. So I had all these months, right. Mm-hmm. And then March and April hit. Okay. Now your brain's probably thinking COVID yep. <laughs> COVID is when, uh, it was March and April, but that was also a season where I had just offboarded a really large client for me, um, because I was kind of wanting to downsize my agency. And so we losing that finance was really hard. And I was left with two clients and just really struggling. So that's also when the pandemic hit, right? So everyone's wondering what's going to happen. Are we going to be able to make finances? Are people investing in their businesses right now? And so, yeah, I mean, I had a small agency, not a lot of clients. I didn't have a lot of funds. My boyfriend, now husband, hadn't gotten a job yet. There was just, it was really testing time. So I had this decision where I considered going back to corporate You know, I just didn't know if I could make it. My content felt like it wasn't getting a lot of traction. I felt like, you know, my account wasn't growing. I was having women and nonprofit leaders pick my brain and ask me questions that people weren't inquiring to work with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just felt like I was missing something. I I knew I was missing something and I was seeing all these other women hit these big numbers with their launches and get paid to do something that they were passionate about. And so I had this moment to think or thinking like, do I go back to corporate or do I just get this one last push? Like, do I just keep on going and see what happens around the corner? Um, Mm -hmm. and so what I did is I made the scary and pivotal decision to invest in coaching. And it was my first time ever investing like that big in my business. And I actually, uh, invested in two coaching programs the same day. Like wow. I'm all, I'm, that's literally who I am. I'm like, I'm going in, I'm going all in. And so I took the leap and I was just hoping and praying like that I could pay the first month, um, fee, right. Uh, I put down the deposit and what's really cool is the accountability, the support and the niche specific mm-hmm. strategies. The reasons why I opted with these mentors was their niche specific strategies that I felt like I was missing. That investment made me show up more. It made me put the knowledge that I had of my seven and a half years Mm -hmm. of experience actually into action because sometimes it's easy for you to get results for others. Like just kind of like what you're talking about, we come from corporate, we've done a good job, but Mm -hmm. somehow there's something that gets missed in the translation of you being able to actually show up for your own business the same way and do those own strategies for your own business and I knew I had it in me. And so, yeah, I put the knowledge in action. And then five weeks in, I had three x to my investment. And then four months later, I locked in enough sales, uh, to surpass my annual director level income, um, salary-wise. Incredible. So literally in a trimester of the year, being able to say I've made as much as I would of an entire year of a high stress dream job quotations there. Um, so now, uh, And I'm on track to hit six figures in 2021. So anyway, for me, that was a freaking low moment, you know, um, where you have that two decisions. Do I keep going and do I take my business seriously or do I go back to corporate?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And
1: I chose to invest in myself. And there's like a quote out there, but like the best investment is an investment in yourself. And I really believe like that was the pivotal moment for the trajectory of my business. And um, Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in investing because I've seen it work for me.
0: That is so, so beautiful. And I resonate with you so much on that. I mean, coming from corporate as well. And even I remember like even my first business investment, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> like this is huge and you never make that investment in yourself and it's like you have to just like cross over to the other side oh, yeah. and then once yeah. you do it and then once you see what you're capable of you're like oh i got this we're all good and then like exactly. investing 10 20,000 whatever it is oh, yeah. you're just like okay cool i know i can make I, it back and it's easier exactly so
1: oh yeah i love that exactly. so
0: exactly Tell, tell me, tell the audience as well, how can people find you? Um, what are you working on or how can people work with you?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. It's primarily where I'm hanging out, um, Tears of Cave. And then I also have a Facebook group community. We have 373 ladies in there and we're all having a blast. And so that's just a community of boss babes hanging out and supporting and networking. And that is the Herpreneur community. It's on Facebook. And then you can also go over to my website to check out, um, my coaching programs and services right now. It's just a wait list for my one-on-one, that just closed, but we have some exciting things coming up in the future. Um, and you'll be able to hear all about that on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for being here. Yes. Thank you, Hannah, for inviting me on. It was an awesome conversation to have, and I'm really excited for all the women that can tune in and hear it.